to talk about effective parenting. And I want to start out by saying there is no one size fits all parenting solution. Every child is unique. Every situation is unique. And over the years, I've taken a few different parenting classes and courses. And what I've found is that there's nothing that's going to work for every child in every situation. So there are, however, three things that I believe a parent can do that means they're doing it right. And after I list these things, Dr. Burton can correct anything or add anything. <laughs> I don't he know is, that I'd correct anything with. <laughs> he is the expert after all. So, okay. So there are, what I've come to believe in parenting is there are three things that parents can do right. Do their best to provide their basic needs. So food, shelter, clothing, give kids boundaries and love them. And I honestly believe that if you are doing those three things as a parent, you're succeeding. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. As long as you're doing your very best at those, then you're winning at the parenting game. Because parenting is the most fly by the seat of your pants, make it up as you go marathon you're <laughs> going to ever run in your life. That I agree with that. <laughs> and the poor first child, right, uh -huh. is the one that always gets the test, yes, um, right. you know, as we learn yeah. how to do it. So I agree with those things. I think that for me, what I'm going to spend most time talking about will be boundaries. I think, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about that in other episodes about other subjects. Yeah. But I think that um, it's actually a very good thing to do with parenting as well. Mm -hmm. And boundaries, really, it's mostly an effective way of teaching them right and wrong. I mean, you know. Right. And so I think that that is where there's differences between parents because you're going to, you know, each parent's going to have a different value system. And exactly. so yeah. the steps that I'm going to outline, I think they really fit in with any boundary system or with any value system. Mm -hmm. So I think there are four basic steps that, <clears throat> that I help my clients with. And, and by the way, I, th I think I mentioned to, to you this off air that with couples work, I often go into parenting because it's one of the ways that you can get couples to come together. Because mm -hmm. even if they're having conflict, they both love the kid and right. they both want what's best for the kids. And so often I'll go down that path of let's talk about parenting. Mm -hmm. And often they don't work as a team very well right. together. So maybe as the kind of the overlay to this whole thing is I think parents have to be on the same page. Yeah. They have, they have to be a team as, in how they handle this. I agree. My parents were once given a piece of advice and they were given it later in their marriage. And they told us kids, we were old enough to understand. And they said that never throw the other parent under the bus. And I agree. Never. Right. That is and a huge mistake. Yes. You know, it could be something as simple as, hey, mom, can I go to the movies with a friend this weekend? And then mom says, well, go ask dad. And dad says no. And now mm -hmm. dad's the bad guy. You know, right. that that kind of thing. Really what it should be is parents, they need to decide together. I said, okay, let's well, talk let's, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me yeah. discuss it with your father. And right. then you guys decide as a team and whatever answer it's both of you. So not one or the other parent is a bad guy. And I think it's important to establish that early on mm -hmm. because with kids as a pattern. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, every child, just to normalize this, I think every child at some point is going to do what we call split the parents. They're going to try. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, it does not mean that they're bad kids at all. It's no. just they're trying to figure this whole thing out. And kids are, you know, they're pretty sharp about who, you know, what buttons they can push and how they can split the parents. And so oh, it's really know. important. Yeah. yeah so it's know. really important for the parents to be on the same page. So here are the four steps that I think are important. And this ties into, I suppose you could say it ties into discipline a lot, but it's uh-huh. also teaching it. For me, it's about the boundaries. And so this, there's a lot of pre-work that the parents need to do to okay. come up with number one, clear expectations. And so for the child, and, and this is going to be age dependent because your expectations are going to change, right. but let's just say, let's pick something. The child needs to clean their room. And I don't know how often. So again, this gets into the the individual characteristics of each family. There's no right or wrong. Does child have to clean the room? Some parents would say no, but some parents would say yes. So I'm just picking that as, a, you know, an example. And so the parents get together and say, okay, Johnny, we want, they're together talking. They're not talking with Johnny at this point. And Johnny, we want to clean the the his room once a week. Now, the clear expectation, see, what the the pitfall that parents often fall into is they say to the child, I want you to clean the room. Well, my definition of cleaning as an adult is going to be very different than yeah. Johnny's definition of what's clean. I mean, he may take everything, just shove it under the bed and call it good. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is if you if you aren't really explicit or detailed in the expectation, you're just setting up a potential conflict. Mm-hmm. And so okay. a lot of these steps that I'm going to outline in a lot of ways are to help the child learn the boundaries, but also to avoid conflict. So very clear expectations. And you would say, here's what we mean by cleaning the room, you know, and go through whatever steps you want as parents, as Mm -hmm. far as what does it mean to clean the room? So that's number one, clear expectations. Number two, clear consequences or reward for not following through on the expectation. So I hear this all the time, you know, parents often just raise their voice or they yell or they nag Mm -hmm. and kids are really good at tuning that out and it's Mm -hmm. not effective. And so if you're looking at consequences and rewards, rewards certainly work better. Right. And often it's just about how you frame it. So for instance, Let's go with the example of Johnny's cleaning his room. And you could, so the reward, if you framed it as a reward, you could say, Johnny, as soon as you clean the room, you can go outside and play with your friends. Mm -hmm. So do you see that's more of a reward? Now, if you framed it as a consequence, it would be, Johnny, you can't go out and play with your friends until you clean your room. Makes sense. So, you know, for giving a reward for the behavior is certainly going to be more effective. Now, there are certainly going to be situations where you can't give a reward and there's going to be a consequence. Mm-hmm. But as a rule, I think wherever you can frame it as a reward. So I- the reward has to be clear as well. So okay. the child has to, you know, understand it. So once you have those two steps, then as parents, you go sit down together because you're a parenting team and you're in front of Johnny and you say, Johnny, here's what we're going to, you know, here's our expectation around cleaning the room and here's what happens if you don't. So the child understands it. Now, steps three and four are the, from my experience, some of the hardest ones to, to, for parents to follow. 
Number three, you've got to follow through. Mm-hmm. If you say, Johnny, you can't go out to play with your friends until you clean your room. You've got to follow up on that. And he doesn't get to go out and play until he cleans his room. Mm-hmm. Often the parents will say, oh, you know, Johnny will come and say, oh, please, mom, please, dad, please let me go out. I'll do it after. And you say, okay, you know, this one time you can go after. That's a mistake. <clears throat> and the, here, the reason it's a mistake is because you aren't consistent, which is the fourth step. You've got to be consistent. And so what you're teaching your children, there's a lot of things you're teaching. And one of this is real world. I mean, when they go to work, they go to work and then they get paid. That's the reward for going to work. If they break the law, you know, as they're a teenager, well, there's a consequence. You know, mm-hmm. something will happen. But I think also what it does is it builds trust. Okay. What a lot of parents don't understand is if they say, here's my expectation, here's the consequence or reward, and I'm consistent at following through, then the child learns to trust the parent. Okay, if parent says whatever, I know my parent means that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important for the relationship as well. Okay, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Hi there, my name is Maya Acosta and I'm the host of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast where I explore ways that we can optimize our health. I learned about the field of lifestyle medicine which uses evidence-based approaches to prevent, halt, and in even some cases reverse disease. These are lifestyle modalities such as using certain foods as medicine, using exercise to reverse disease, managing our stress, and even getting adequate sleep. Join me and the amazing people that I get to talk to as I set out to learn how taking better care of ourselves can help us both improve the quality of life and enhance our longevity. Let's get started. Yeah. And I know Curtis and I are guilty all the time of making empty threats. And I'm sure a lot of parents do. It can be really hard in our family dynamic. It has created a bit of a situation where our kids, they don't take us seriously when we say, if you don't do this, this is going to happen because we're bad at the follow through at the consistency. Right. So there's the problem right there. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of acting like a slot machine. Because sometimes you follow through and sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. And it gives kids inconsistency. It's inconsistency. And so they're always going to try and push on you Mm -hmm. because they know, because at some time, sometimes when I push on mom, she says, okay, Mm -hmm. and sometimes not, but it's important enough to me. I'm going to try and push on her. Yeah. So we've talked about this off air before, and I'm going to bring it up because I'm sure that we are not the only parents that have done this, where what we'll do is our child is, is misbehaving and Mm -hmm. they're acting in a manner that's not okay. And so we say, okay, here is your consequence. For example, it might be, you don't get to play with your friends tomorrow. So a lot of times what we'll do is we will give them an out, I guess you could say. So we'll say, all right, you can be ungrounded if you do extra chores. Well, I, that's, it's a hard one. I think okay. I, I think that that doesn't work very well long term. Okay. I, I won't mention that someone close to me who does that. Mm-hmm. But what we're finding is then I think the result of that often is the child, one, again, doesn't believe the parent, but because okay. there's always going to be an out. And so they mm-hmm. push. What What I think you want to do is try and set it up so the kid is not pushing against you, okay. because that can be really aggravating for parents. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And so let's say the child, let's go with that one. The child's misbehaving. So that's a little bit different situation than say you're going to do this chore of cleaning your room every week because that's something you can plan out. So often with parenting, you're trying to do it on the fly. So you're out, mm-hmm. you know, doing something and like you're at a restaurant. So here's a common one. Kids are misbehaving in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Now, the consequence often is best if you can have a consequence that kind of ties into what you're doing. And so if they're misbehaving in the restaurant, the most appropriate or the logical, what we'd call as a logical consequence would be, okay, I'm going to take you out to the car and you don't get to finish your dinner. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to some kids yeah. because you can mm-hmm. say, I'm good. And, and I think as far as the out, I think it makes more sense to say, you're going to get three warnings here. I'll give you three, okay. ter- I'll give you three times to do this mm-hmm. or two or whatever. I'm just picking three. Yeah. But by the third one, if they're still misbehaving, then you quietly and without anger, you get up and you take them out. And you said, remember, I told you, you're going to end up in the car. Now, it's inconvenient for the parent Mm -hmm. and you might cause a scene leaving the restaurant. It's a very good lesson to the child that you will follow through on what you say. Right. And in the end, it builds trust. And they, they understand that there is a real consequence to their behavior. But I think that you can... Uh, as parents, you can do some pre-work, even say with a restaurant situation, because you can, sometimes these things happen um, often, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know if that's true with, I don't have young kids anymore, but I, you know, as I remember it, there were certain things that you could almost count on that were going to happen if you go to a restaurant or if you go out someplace, Mm -hmm. right? And so you can talk about it beforehand and you can say, okay, if this situation happens, like misbehaving in restaurant, what will be our response. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you've come up with a response on the, uh, that's the same. And that way you aren't going to split the parents and mm-hmm. you each know what's going to happen. And so I think it's really important yeah. to think about okay. plan ahead. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the plan ahead for the situations, anticipate what might happen with your children so that as parents, you can be a better parenting team and be consistent. Okay. Yeah. So an example I'm thinking of was with my oldest, she was very much a wanderer and she just, she wanted to explore everything and exploring usually meant touching, which when we'd go to the store was a big problem. (laughs) And so, and I felt like at the store, I was constantly yelling at her. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Get back here. Stop running off. And I was that parent yelling at their child in the grocery store. And so finally what I started doing is I said, okay, here's the expectation. I expect you to stay with me, stay next to me. And if you don't, or if you're, I think that was it, is this, if you're not staying right here next to me, next to the cart, you're going to sit in the cart. Okay. And that was, and that was the consequence and right. it worked and it worked really well. Of course, she's older now and right. you know, it, it's a lot easier, but you probably followed through. Yeah, I think so. And I think it only, I think I, well, it was, it was a few years ago, but I mean, it only took a few times for mm-hmm. her, for her to get it. So. See, and that's, that's a good point that you bring up that I think what parents don't understand is if they can follow through and be consistent, mm-hmm. it doesn't take that long for the child to get it. Yeah. And, and that's the trust piece. Oh, mom says this, mm-hmm. she's going to follow through. Yeah. And I think another thing too, is it can sometimes be really hard I guess uh, something that we ran into just today, we asked our middle child to to go clean her room because we're celebrating her birthday 
having a birthday party for her tomorrow before we mm-hmm. go out of town. And so we said, we need you. We're all cleaning up right now. Go clean your room. And she goes, I don't want to, unless someone helps me. And we said, okay, we're all busy right now. Go do it yourself. And she goes, no, I'm not going to. And the easiest thing to go to was, well, do you want to lose your birthday party tomorrow? But that was kind of an empty threat because we've already invited. You wouldn't do that either. Exactly. No. And that's, and that's the problem, but it's so easy in the moment to just get them to listen and do what you want to do. And so as a parent, I understand that struggle, but I think a more appropriate consequence would have been, okay, fine. If you don't want to clean up your room, you don't get anything in your room. So I'm going to pack up everything in your room and it's going to go away for X amount of time. And so that's a really good point. And we, um, did we ever use that? I've I've known, I can't remember if we use that, but I really like it because you Mm -hmm. can say, do you see, you know, see all these things on the floor, Mm -hmm. you have a half hour to clean everything up and put it away. Anything that's on the floor, when I come back in, I'll put in a garbage sack and I'll put it up for whatever, you know, week that generally is pretty effective. But that's one of the things that you have to plan before. You have to think, okay, what's going to be the consequence? And so kind of the typical one is parents will say, you're going to be grounded for two years. Uh You know, they throw this thing out that's never going to happen. Yeah. And so I think that the empty threats, I would say it's really a problem because it, the kids learn not to trust you. Mm -hmm. And so really think about, I think, you know, the parents sit down. Think about what is what's our list of con- consequences or rewards that we can call on, mm-hmm. and so yeah. this requires pre work for the mm-hmm. parents. But you know, parenting is hard and time consuming, yeah. so this is just one more thing. And it's never too late to start. Never my too kids, late. I agree. My kids, my kids range from age almost two to eight years old, and as we're recording this podcast, I'm thinking Curtis and I are going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation. He's definitely going to listen to this episode. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Good. And- so I, I, I want to point out another part of this. Okay. So there's a, I think it's still pretty popular. It's a parenting class called Parenting with Love and Logic. Mm-hmm. And you, you've probably heard of that. And so years, it's, this has been around a very long time because even, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, 25 years ago when I was at the family support center, which I think I mentioned, we used to teach the people who came in, the parents, this class, we'd offered a class in parenting and it was based on parenting and love and logic. Mm-hmm. Now that particular program uses uh, pretty much these steps that I've outlined, but there's mm-hmm. one thing that happened is there wasn't a lot, what we found is it was too easy for the parents to not have empathy for the child mm-hmm. in what yeah. they're going through. So the kid is going to be sad. They're going to, to you know, based on the consequence, they might be really sad and start crying. Now, the what we found, we actually, I think we modified it at the time to mm-hmm. include more of an empathy component because we found that the parents were being kind of heartless. You know, it's like tough luck. You, you know, you made your yeah. choice. So this plays, what I'm going to suggest is plays kind of off Gottman's work, which I think I've, Mm -hmm. uh, the parenting with love and logic, he calls it, or emotion coaching. Mm -hmm. And so if you combine these four steps, you know, expectations, rewards, follow through and consistency with his emotion coaching. And so you get the emotional response of the child and you don't need to ignore it. Mm -hmm. You can have empathy for it. And you can say, you know, I can tell you feel really, really bad about this, that you've made this choice. Mm-hmm. And I can say, I can tell that you're really sad about it. 
we're still going to go through with the consequence. And I hope next time that you make a better choice because you'll, there'll be a next time. And so you teach them, they can, they can change the choice later on, but you can also give them the empathy. I get it. You're sad. And you know, validate, you yeah, validate, validate the, they feel sad about the choice, mm-hmm. but in that moment, it's not your job to go rescue them yeah. and say, okay, you don't have to do that. That is a huge mistake. So that's my take on parenting. And I think it really works effectively. I thought of a book. I love this book and I can't, and I, I'm in my home office, so I don't have okay. the books at hand. I'm going to, I'll send you an email. I'll find the title of this book. It's a whole series of books that is about, oh, it's called Positive Discipline. There, see okay. if I just think about it. There we go. Yeah, positive, or po- discipline. positive Discipline or Positive Parenting. Here's what I like about the book. They'll have different uh, versions like Positive Discipline for pre-kindergarten, Positive okay. Discipline for teenagers. There is a general one called Positive Discipline from A to Z. That's the one okay. I really like. And what I like about it, you, I would not suggest that a parent sit down and read it. Mm-hmm. I would suggest they use it as a like an operating manual because okay. you can go to the index. You can say, oh, I'm having trouble with going to bed, for instance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you go, <clears throat> and I've looked this up, so I know it's there. You go to bed and they're going to have, or you go into the index and it'll say, you know, sleep issues. Mm-hmm. And you turn to that and it'll give you a lot of really good ideas, really based on these four principles about how, what are the, what are the consequences, how you approach it. And so I think it's a great resource. It's called okay. Positive Discipline, yeah. Positive Parenting. I'll check on it and send it to you. Yeah, but I uh, use it as a use it as a resource. It's really okay. good. Yeah, and I'll have a link to it posted in our show notes. And so another thing that I thought of that that Curtis and I try to do with parenting is trying not to label your children. So when they're making bad choices, be sure to say you are making a bad choice rather than saying you're being bad. Yes, I agree hundred uh, percent that that's yeah. a re- that's a mistake some parents make. Mm-hmm. Quit being bad. Oh, you're so bad. It's harmful to the child to yeah. label them. And mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. What they've done is they've made a poor choice mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. But what that allows them to do is is realize I can make a better choice next time. Mm-hmm. If you label them as a bad child, they're stuck. Yep. They think they're a bad person, and mm-hmm. they grow up with that. With and, that, and, and there are many kids who do that. So mm-hmm. yes, I agree. Don't label them, but say the choice you made is not a good choice. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity next time to make a better choice. Yes. One of the things that I often say to my kids is actions have consequences. Right. And yes, they do. Today, my daughter, today she was acting at, we were, we were leaving somewhere and she pitched a fit because she didn't want to go. And I told her, Actions have consequences and there will be consequences. And I found that in the moment, it's easier not to list the consequence because it often escalates. Like it just, because then all of a sudden they're mad about this consequence. So I've said, okay, your actions have consequences. There will be a consequence for the way you're acting right now. And once they've calmed down and de-escalated, and then I say, okay, here's your consequence. And I found right. that works much better. That's, that's a good idea. And it reminds me of this other thing that maybe is going to happen with older kids, you know, maybe adolescents. And, you know, they're going to do something that catches you off guard. As parents, you don't have to have a consequence right away. You can say, you know, your dad and I need to talk about this and then we'll yeah. get back to you. Mm-hmm. It, it's okay to come back to them 
and say, here's, we've decided this is what the consequence is. So yeah, delayed. I, I like that idea, you know, delaying the consequence. They don't need to know it right now. Right. Exactly. Especially when they're really, really angry. And there's been times where, you know, I, I I've done it before where I've, I've told my daughter, you know, they're acting out and I say, okay, you need to stop right now, or this is going to happen. And they don't stop. And I say, okay, now it's happened. Yeah. And they get even more mad. And I feel yeah. like I just have to keep going and going and it's just snowballing. And before we know it, they're grounded for a week and they have no tell, like, you know, something like that. That's, that's just almost unreasonable. And so mm -hmm. it's much easier often just to say that way, it's just one consequence for this action, because a lot of times, I mean, it's, it can be really hard for kids when they're feeling just so frustrated and they're still feeling that emotion and you're just adding on emotion, yeah. even if you're remaining calm, they're still feeling their big emotion. And it's hard mm -hmm. for little bodies to feel big emotions. Yes. So, you know, the important, one of the important things about these four steps is you do it without anger, right? You don't need to be angry. And that's what I try and help parents understand because lots of times they get angry, but I think the anger comes from I'm nagging and saying, do this, do this, do this, and nothing's mm -hmm. happening and they aren't listening to you. Well, the you know, don't you get angry, then you get frustrated. Mm -hmm. If you follow through with these steps, you don't need to get angry. And it's I think it's really important to do it without anger. Mm -hmm. And just matter of factly, do you remember your dad and I told you, here's what's going to happen. So this is going to happen. Hope you make mm -hmm. a better choice next time. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. So let's talk about a couple of different scenarios that I think a lot of parents would often deal with. Uh -huh. And maybe we can talk about a few tips for some specific things. Sure. But we're going to start off with a with an email from a listener. And she reached out and this fits right in with our topic today. So I'm going to go ahead and read this email and we'll talk about some tips and advice for this parent. So her name is Karina and this is what she said. Hi, Liz. My name is Karina, and I have a situation that I've been pondering since my youngest son has been born. His name is Will, and he's only 11 months old, so we haven't had to quite deal with it yet, but he has an older brother named Daniel that died from a birth defect at six months old. I've always dreaded how to introduce Daniel, but also have imagined it would come naturally. As Will gets older, I'm starting to realize we may not know how to do this right. I would love to hear tips of how to bring up his brother without him growing up to resent him, but I want him to remember Daniel and know about him. I would love for you guys to talk about this. Thanks in advance. So I, I want to acknowledge that whenever the issue is about children, I always talk with my wife, Lindy. Um, uh -huh. I, I consider her the child expert, although, yes. you know, I've had children too and deal with parents all the time. Right. So the, the thing that kind of stood out to me is that she had hoped that it would arise naturally. And I think that's actually what's going to happen. Now, mm -hmm. she doesn't say this in the email, but I would guess or hope, maybe hope that there are mm -hmm. pictures of mm -hmm. Daniel in the home. And so as Will gets older, he's going to notice the pictures and it's going to be easy to, you know, he might say, who is that? Or even if you're going through, say, a family album, which at least my kids and Greg kids really love to go through mm -hmm. pictures. And so it's going to be kind of natural to say this, this is Daniel and Daniel's your older brother. 
Now, a lot of people are, a lot of parents are going to be a little hesitant to say, and he died because they're worried, oh, that's going to cause some sort of emotional upset for the child. It's really important to realize it's not going to have a lot of meaning for the right. child. It's not going to have the, the idea of death is not going to have a lot of meaning for the child until they're probably six, seven or eight, mm -hmm. you know, okay. so it's going to be much older. But I think um, what you want is you want it to be, let's say natural. And uh, I guess, matter of fact, mm -hmm. he, he is part of our family. And, you know, we talk about him, and we, you know, we don't need to be silent about it. And, mm -hmm. and so that's the important thing. Don't worry about saying that he died. It probably and, and depending on Will's age, he might say, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And then you can, you know, age appropriately, there are probably many books out there that talk about death. Mm -hmm. And there are probably some that even talk about death of a sibling. So main thing, don't be afraid to talk about it. And as he gets older, as Will gets older, mm -hmm. then you increase the amount of knowledge and information mm -hmm. that you give to him. Now, the other part that I want to bring up is depending on the, say, the religious situation of the family, right. I think you'd want to be able to include whatever whatever. Uh, religious beliefs right. um, you have in the family, uh, because there are a lot of there are certainly um, many many religious traditions, maybe all of them that talk about an afterlife. Mm -hmm. And so, if that is part of your religious tradition, then I think you talk about that. Try and make it natural. It's part of our. It's it's part of the family mm -hmm. uh, dynamic, and this is where, where we think Daniel is, mm -hmm. because you want to start talking about that. Yeah. So I think, I, I think it's going to happen that it's going to happen naturally. I think she was right. Yeah. It, it'll come up organically. Yeah, and at yeah. 11 months old, he, it's he not. obviously, right. He obviously has, he has no idea, but eventually he will. And I think it's good for the mom to talk about it. And I think it's good for her to even maybe say, as the child gets older, you know, sometimes I still feel sad about oh, yeah. Daniel. Oh, yeah. I think I think it's important to teach kids emotional intelligence at a young age. And You're this is absolutely a great way to right. do that. You're absolutely right. Again, yeah. going back to Gottman emotion coaching. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that we as parents teach children empathy and emotional competence mm -hmm. is to display it ourselves. Yes. And so there is, and again, I'm making an assumption here. I would I think the death of a child is one of the hardest things that maybe the hardest thing that parents yeah, uh, ever so. have to go yeah. through. And so I would guess that there's certainly amount of sadness yeah. and grief. I don't know the, how you'd ever get over the grief of uh, the death of a child. So I agree with you. I think mm -hmm. it's really important to be able to express that because it teaches the child, this is okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been times where I've been in my office working and all three of my kids are with me because they're with me all day and all of a sudden it's just too much. And so sometimes I will say, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed by all the noise. I need it quieter rather than just telling them, okay, stop it. You're being too loud. Mm -hmm. Explain right. to them that I'm feeling an emotion and yeah. it really helps kids to understand. Or sometimes I'll say, you know, I just don't feel like being touched right now. I just mm -hmm. need personal space and it helps kids to be able to learn to express that themselves. And it's important, yeah. especially the one about space. 
All right. So that is it. And as always, we love to hear from our listeners. So if anyone has anything else that they would like help or advice with, we would love to talk about it. So next week, we are going to talk about a different side of this, and that is helping kids to be resilient, particularly when they've gone through a childhood trauma. So we're just going to give some steps for some different common childhood traumas. So it's a good subject, a hard one, of course. Yes, it is. We will see 